Welcome to episode 238 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. What's up today, Richard? Hey, Seth. What's going on? Uh, not much. We actually have quite a bit of news this week. Uh, it should be an interesting podcast leading up to GP Vegas in a couple of days. But before we get into all that, we also have another co-host, Krim. What's going on today, Krim? Morning, Seth. Good morning. How, uh, how are things out in sunny California this morning? Uh, well, it's finally not 400 degrees, but, <laughs> you know, I guess it's, it's overcast. Get... I'm sad. <laughs> I, I am okay with the overcast and cause, you know, we're going into Vegas. So that's going to be actually 800 degrees. And I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't handle heat too well. <laughs> I think uh, Vegas heat either. is better. It's, it's, it's nice and like dry, even though it's pretty dry here, but it's not like the swamp heat where you're like, oh my God, it's just like, it's hot, like putting your face in the oven, but it's fine. <laughs> I, I think that's true. We get some really humid heat in New York and like 90 with like 80% humidity. I would rather have like 110 desert Vegas heat, I think any day than the like super humid heat is just, oh man, it's miserable. I'd, I'd rather it just be be cold all the time but <laughs> all right I mean, here yeah. here here's the trick question as a preview to vegas it's 110 in vegas okay do you wear shorts or jeans because you know it's like 50 in the hotels <laughs> well I, I always wear all black and i always <laughs> wear jeans so uh it doesn't matter rain or shine absurdly hot or, or cold i'll be wearing Ooh. black levi's at least <laughs> i'll be uh i'll be wearing jeans i think for uh just for i don't know i don't like how i look in shorts so i can't imagine going to the gp in like matt nass style and just like putting <laughs> on the basketball shorts and meeting people so i'm probably gonna suck it up and wear jeans although if i'm just chilling in vegas the shorts might come out what about what about magic oh. themed tights okay we'll get to that later oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so one of our topics today we got some uh magic tights and other magic branded clothing that was announced today so we're going to talk about that we're going to talk a little bit about gp vegas which we're going to be at this weekend there was a big organized play announcement this past week answering a lot of questions that have been kind of floating around about what is M uh the mpl what's the next year going to look like how do you qualify so we're going to break that down as well along with answering a bunch of your fish mail at the end of the cast so that is our plan for today before we jump into it our episode today is brought to you by flipside gaming and their Richard Kane Ferguson collection of playmats, you can check out new takes on classics like Decon Blackblade and even Arcane Denial, and you can use the discount code GOLDFISH to get 10% off your purchase and help support the show over at FlipsideGaming.com. So thank you so much to Flipside Gaming for supporting the show, and uh, yeah, let's jump into it. Let's start off with this big esports announcement. We'll get to Vegas, we'll get to Magic Tights, but first, uh, what do you guys think of this? Did either of you read this this was like a big 15 page <laughs> announcement there's a lot going on do either one of you have a firm enough grasp of this to be able to explain <laughs> so it sad. succinctly to our viewers if i read it but didn't quite comprehend it <laughs> could you sum it up for me <laughs> like oh, if i were boy. relying on you 
Okay, so I, I will give it a shot. I have read it over a few times, and like I said, it is long and it is confusing. Basically, the, here's the big takeaways, and you should check it out over at the Magic Esports site. Read it for yourself, because it is long, and it takes a minute to sink in. But basically, uh, the MPL... We have defined membership of who is going to be in the MPL. We also got the creation of the Rivals League. And basically the model, uh, if you're familiar with like European football, soccer, uh, they do reg, uh, regulate, regulate. Why can't I say that word? Regulation? Is that uh, regulation? What are you trying to say? I don't know what you're trying to say. Where they, where they boot? Where oh, they relegation. Boot the down. Relegation. relegation. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Then, yes. Uh, what Richard said. Uh, but basically, the bottom four people of the MPL will get kicked down into the Rivals League, along with a bunch of people that qualify through arena and through tabletop play, and then four people will jump up essentially into the MPL each year. So you get uh, some churn there with players kind of going up and down. So if you're just a normal player, either through Magic Arena qualifiers or through paper qualifier events, you can not easily win your way directly into the MPL. I think like if you win Worlds, you get right into the MPL, but you're trying to win your way into the Rivals League, which is like one step below the MPL. And then if you do well in the Rivals League, the next season, you can get promoted up to the MPL and be at the the top of the heap, I guess, as far as Magic is concerned. So that's kind of the simplest breakdown. They also did define like uh who gets into each of these uh, leagues and tournaments, like top finishers from this. Uh, you can qualify through that. You should probably read it over. It's very in-depth and a little convoluted because there's like, uh, Magic Arena is separated now from paper. So that's two different point systems. Actually, there's like tabletop based points and arena based points. And even though both of those will lead you to the rivals league and maybe the MPL, uh, they don't actually interact with each other in a meaningful way. So it's kind of split off into two systems at this point. And I don't know if I actually made any of this easier for people to understand. I feel like I'm just, like, rambling okay, wait, wait, on wait. about the announcement. <laughs> okay, this explains how you get into MPL, right? How do you get into Pro Tours? Or is MPL basically the replacement of Platinum and everything we'd known previously? So, Pro Tours are a little bit different starting next year. There's no Pro Tours. Also, thankfully, there's no, there's no <laughs> Mythic Championships. Uh, no Mythic Names going around. Instead, in paper there are nine players tour events and they're regional there's three each in i believe north america europe and asia pacific mm -hmm. so you can win your way into those through qualifiers which are uh nicely named ptqs again because player tour qualifiers <laughs> so we're back to ptqs just in oh a roundabout God. way so you can win your way into these regional players tour events and then there's like a worldwide players championship event i believe where if you do well at the regional players tour events you make it to this world uh championship essentially players tour event so that's the pathway through paper so no uh no pro tours no mythic championships on a Arena, if I'm reading it correctly, all of the big tournaments on Arena are Mythic Invitationals. There's not actually, uh, there's still a couple of Mythic Championships the rest of this year, but starting next year, there's three Mythic Invitationals, which will include like qualifiers, will include MPL people, and also include uh, invites. So rather similar by the sounds to the Mythic Invitational this year, but no traditional pro tours on Arena. The Mythic Invitationals are kind of like the Arena Pro Tours starting next year. Ooh. Also, I think it's it's pretty interesting, right? Like if I recall, 
they're trying to make it so that you can, if I, if I read it right, get, you can get to the players tour through other events and like local, like big tournament events, like so SCG events, you can qualify. I know it was announced yesterday at the SCG tournament actually that the SCG, I believe it's uh, their next invitational, the next SCG con this winter. I believe that they said if you win that tournament, you will qualify for a players tour event. So there are, there's also a tournament series, I think in Brazil. I wouldn't be surprised if like magic card market over in Europe, I don't think it's been announced yet, but yeah, Wizards is partnering with these other tournament series and allowing people to qualify for the players tours event by doing well in like SCG events and other similar events around the world. Does see the the thing I like I'm still a little like I I'm a little lost on the Grand Prix part. Yes, if you're top eight, you'll still receive invitations to the players tour, right? But so are they bring pro points back because they said that uh like Grand Prix will like award lifetime player points, but they will not apply to seasonal qualifications. Lifetime total player points will use pro points as a starting basis. So. What so you're doing this Grand Prix circuit, but what does that have to do like with with any of this if it doesn't apply to seasonal qualifications? And so that's one of the weird parts at this point. Yeah, uh, my understanding is uh, one of the biggest criticisms, and the announcement overall seemed to go fairly well. I think uh, this does answer a lot of questions people have been asking, and Wizards did also say uh, th- that they're looking to a way to make. GP is kind of more relevant because one of the biggest criticisms was the new system that was just announced is still very based on like spiking an event. Like you win a GP, you do good. You top eight a GP, you qualify for this. Uh, but there's not really much for like, I go to a lot of GPs. I consistently do well at GPs because there's no, uh, like Krim was saying, points that actually do anything on a seasonal basis, just these lifetime points that I don't think actually matter for anything that we know of. Um, that you really need to just spike events to qualify for things. And they did say that they heard that feedback and they're looking at adding some sort of mechanism for people who consistently do well to be able to qualify, which sounds a little bit like the old pro point system, something equivalent to like silver or like the lower levels of the old pro system. So that might still be coming based on feedback. But right now, GPs, the only value we know of is I believe if you win a GP, you make it all the way to like the grand championship players tour event, like the worldwide one. And if you top eight a GP, but not win it, you qualify for one of the regional players tour events which then could qualify you for the worldwide one there we go like yeah like there that that was the main thing i was curious about and it is pretty like I, I really like this announcement because uh wizards is actually like listening to everything and they've been way more vocal and like they v- w- way more open about communication on social media because you know before i remember they would just be very silent and so that would make everyone restless and like you know concerned and and go into this like you know meltdown kind of thing but now that magic's kind of responding to all the questions which are many because i actually tweeted about this and i was like dude this article like is a lot it is a lot for someone that like i'm like okay hold on i had to read this like four times five times over 
Yeah, it is very long and in-depth, although, as you said, it does answer many of the things that people have been wondering about moving forward, and I think overall it's a lot of positive stuff. Like, uh, yeah. I think a big deal is we actually have, like, clearly defined how you can get into Rivals League and help, uh, in, into the MPL. Like, we know, for example, uh, top 20 MPL players, based on mythic points from this year, will stay in the MPL. The bottom four will drop down into the Rivals or actually the bottom 12 this year. The MPL is shrinking, but the bottom 12 will go into the Rivals League, along with the top four challengers from this year will be part of the MPL. And then eight of the top-ranked MTG Arena players will make it into the Rivals League, and then there's four discretionary invites. So uh, there still are discretionary invites, which has been a really hot topic in the community, but it feels like uh, I think this answers a lot of my questions about it. It does seem to be mostly merit-based, but Wizards is still leaving room in the system uh, to it, have some discretionary invites as well. And I think one of your biggest questions was, when am I getting into the MPL? And I, you know, I, I guess this now gives me a shot. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, I, I legitimately think this is sweet, this whole thing. Like, they've explained that, and on top of that, like, there is one minor thing we I, I forgot to mention for all of this by the way it's that you now like you can get a cryptic command right like if you, yes if you ptq get... promo Woo-hoo! <laughs> except i am I, I love this art of cryptic command don't get me wrong but i was kind of hoping there'd be a new one <laughs> another cryptic command art is it this the is this on paper already or is this the it moto the... art it's starting it is, in 2020. No, 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 I believe the that art, is the iconic Masters yeah. Cryptic yeah, Command. Like, oh, so it masters. is in paper already, yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted a new artwork, but other than that, I, as you had mentioned, this does answer a ton of questions everyone's had. Uh, I, I know that I, I really like the idea, though. I, I, I was thinking about it. The whole bottom four lose their spot in the MPL, right? They so, go to Gauntlet, right? Yeah, they go they go down or they go down to the the gauntlet. The Rivals League. Yeah, the Rivals League. Oh, which, after they lose the gauntlet. <laughs> which makes it kind of like, oh, th- does that not make viewing like the the broadcasted games or whatever of this like way more like holy crap. There there's a lot of there's a lot on the line here. For the bottom I, al- four. I always thought that was one of the most interesting parts of like uh soccer in other countries is it makes the matches matter for teams that are not at the top of the league. Like, in American sports, for the most part, like, halfway through the season, if you're not doing well, like, the rest of the season kind of doesn't matter. Like, right. nothing nothing changes. But when there's actually this mechanism where you can actually get kicked out of the league altogether, it makes the matchup between, like, the bottom two players arguably more important than the matchup between the top yeah. two players, which I think is really good for viewing and going to be really entertaining. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, well, you know, like, okay, sure. So the, the, the top four are like all Hall of Famers, they're destroying people. That's great, don't get me wrong. But like watching a Patriots game, it's like, cool, they're probably going to win. I don't need to watch this. This is kind of boring. <laughs> and then, but then like the bottom four, like losing their spot and going in or like in the gauntlet and getting kicked down to Rivals League, that definitely makes me want to watch. Now, a lot of people have mentioned that this reminds them of the League of Legends setup. Uh, oh, for, okay. And, and, I'm not surprised because I believe Bear used to be part of the League of Legends esports team, right? And I mean, I talked to Bear, really cool dude. Now, yeah, I think he was on, uh, the, yeah, the the esports team for League. So this 
seems great, right? I mean, I, I like this system so far. I like how it's like a multitude of sources. So when I saw the gauntlet, I'm like, wow, you're so screwed in the gauntlet. Like, imagine your playing career up to like, you know, 60, 40 coin flips, right? Like even John Finkel doesn't win every 16 player gauntlet he goes into. So he can conceivably get kicked out immediately. But, uh, you know, that, that goes to the thing of Seth saying you have to spike a tournament to get somewhere. So if you spike the gauntlet itself, you're good, right? But also they also have the top two uh, performers in player points and mythic points. So even if you don't spike a tournament, if you consistently do well, you can still get uh, you can still get in there. So I like how they have like multiple modes. Uh, you could spike this one tournament, or you can just be a consistent performer. Mm -hmm. I think in general, I'm pretty. Uh, I think that for sure this announcement is. A hundred times better than what we had this year. The, the just the chaos and no one really understanding and the lack of communication, which Krim mentioned. Uh, there was a lot of instant communication from Magic Esports answering questions when this announcement went up. So all of that was awesome. There's a couple of questions remaining. Uh, one is still a little lacking for people who used to be like silver or bronze. People who would like do well enough to mostly qualify for most pro tours, but not well enough to be like platinum or gold and really on the train. So that's something that hopefully will be more addressed in the future. Like this definitely expands on the MPL and defines the MPL, which is really good. But I still think there could be more for like former bronze slash silver players under the old system. So that's one thing uh, to keep in mind. I also... I don't know. Four players leaving the MPL is not a ton. I, I The one thing I kind of dislike is the MPL, as it's currently constructed, was the top 32 pro point earners or mythic point earners, whatever, from 2018. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and now those people have a just a huge advantage and no one really even knew there. I know there's some people like, I think Sam Black is one of them that was like, I just missed out on this mark. I didn't know <laughs> that if you were in the top 32, you'd make the MPL. So I would have like went to more GPs and tried to earn a few more points if I had known how important that was. So I don't know. Four leaving is fine. Maybe more turnover would be a good thing moving forward. So it's a little easier to go up and down, especially now that there is a rivals league. So there's a, a cushion. If you drop out of the MPL, it's not like I lose my MPL contract and I have nothing. You're still in the rivals league. You still get invited to everything. So maybe that's something that in future years, we'll see. Maybe four is the perfect number. I would think I might like it a little more if it was slightly more people leaving and entering every year, but uh, I guess we'll see. It's definitely a massive is. improvement, yeah. though. I, so I, it, let's say you made it so that everyone could leave, right? I think every year you'd get like massive turnover due to the way magic works. So I think by limiting it to four, you kind of artificially prevent that and you can actually build your stars. Yeah. Right? Like if you have like an off season or something, maybe you place like, you know, sixth from the bottom, you're still in there to redeem yourself to keep building your brand. So I think that's because we want the Tom Brady of magic yeah. right we want the peyton manning like we want those characters in magic which we don't have and it doesn't help if every season they get like kicked out and like <laughs> down into the rivals league due to like variants or whatever because that's just the nature of our game right unlike football even if you're the best person you don't win all the time in magic you win like 60 percent only right so they have to somehow artificially peg that and then whoever got in first they have an advantage right so yeah the 
the people in MPL right now have a huge advantage over everyone else who has to grind their way in now. I mean, it feels a little like a lifetime invite, basically. <laughs> like, if you just happen to be one of the top-ranked players in 2018... You, and- just, you just happen, right? You had to be a top-ranked player in 2018, <laughs> though, right? Like... But you didn't know that this was the reward. Like, obviously, everyone in MPL is amazing at Magic. And, you know, not a question of anything like that. But I feel bad for the people that just let no one knew, like, how important 2018 was. So there's people out there who arguably would have played differently or played more or something if they had known that, like, oh, if I do well in 2018, I get essentially a lifetime invite to the MPL. Yeah. Like, you get, for 2018, you get super platinum for life, almost, just for doing well that one year, and no one at the time knew that that was the reward. Yeah, so you're saying you'd rather have this announcement now, and then start MPL, like, a season from now, to give everyone the same head start so everyone can grind together, and then... Or maybe, like, eight players. Like, out of the 24 MPL players, maybe you go eight a year that drop down to rivals, and eight new faces, and that's still the top, what... The only 33% would be dropping out and you'd still have a pretty consistent group. And I imagine that those players would probably be favored, like in European soccer a lot, like the team that drops out of the Premier League, uh, in England or whatever is pretty much favored when they drop down a division to likely like qualify again and jump back up again the next year because they're just better than the rest of the teams at that level. So a little more churn, I think might be good. I, I obviously, you know, we don't really know how it's gonna turn out because we haven't seen it in action yet so that but i at the same time i see what richard's talking about i'm kind of there with that like they do want to pretty much make the peyton mannings and the tom brady's and whatnot of magic so top i think like losing eight players that's a lot of players though i think that's that's a lot of players going out maybe that's just me i, I four does i don't know four seems okay right now i mean i guess we'll see how it comes with the 2020 and like 2021 seasons or whatever but uh but like like maybe five or something or six but like eight players feels like a lot yeah Eh, well i mean we'll see and i'm sure like wizards they seem to have been very receptive of feedback uh already with this announcement so maybe four is a perfect number and if it's not it does seem like wizards is listening and probably is willing to iterate in future years yeah, I think that that's been the biggest takeaway for me too is that Wizards willing they're willing to change what they have like implemented right now if there's enough feedback on it. So I think this this whole thing just this announcement is great uh for for multiple reasons. Obviously for competitive play but also just for what they have like it, like pretty much in action already. Just because it's happening now doesn't mean it'll always stay. If it if it's problematic, they're willing to change it, and I think that's great. What do you guys think this means for Wizards marketing? So when we talk about churn in MPL, we had some churn in the MPL already because there were people initially invited that Wizards didn't want representing their brand, and they were removed. Now that you can qualify your way into this, like how do you think Wizards controls this, or do you think they just let it be and... You know, MPL is whatever, and Mythic Invitational is how they control their brand. Like, what do you think of that? Because the MPL had a lot of churn (laughs) before churning was official, right? So how will Wizards manage this in the win-your-way-into-the-tournament scene? So my thinking is, because of changes to the MPL, that they'll probably just let it ride, more or less. Because another thing that came out with the announcement is... 
the MPL contracts for next year are not streaming contracts. They're 100%. You get paid for showing up to like the players tour event, mythic invitational events. Uh, so it's 100% based on showing up to events and there's no streaming component. Also, I haven't been able to get confirmation on this, but with streaming not being part of it, I'm not sure that we'll have like the weekly MPL thing that we have this year, next year. Uh, I haven't got confirmation 100%, but I think since Wizards isn't paying all the MPL players to be sponsored streamers representing their game and are just kind of paying them to show up to pro tours essentially or players tours the new pro tours that maybe maybe they will be a, a little bit more easygoing because they're not the people in the MPL are not representing the game on like a day-to-day basis as sponsored streamers they're just showing up to pro tours kind of like platinum in the old system wait so do you get a salary and you're expected to show up at like you know, 10 events or whatever, or is it if you show up at this event, you get X dollars and you can show up as many as you want? So I believe you can earn up to $50,000 in the MPL by showing mm-hmm. up to the events. My understanding is it's by event. I don't think they give you $15,000, $50,000 up front or something, but I believe that it would be dispersed over X number of events that the MPL is automatically qualified for. Kind of like a big appearance fee. Maybe it's like $5,000 yeah. in event Did for we go 10 events or like something. Back to like appearance fees and <laughs> things like that. Like That's what it sounds like. Interesting. Yeah, it's basically a, a big appear, uh, appearance fee. And I think probably that's a good decision. One thing I've heard from MPL players, just like talking to them on Twitter, some of them love streaming and it, their streams have taken off. Like Ben Starr, Kiwi, those are two really big examples. They seem to really enjoy streaming. Their streams have taken off. Others like just don't really like streaming and streaming's not for everyone. So I think maybe not having streaming be part of the contract, it might be a good thing overall because I assume the Ben Starks and Hueys of the world they're probably going to stream anyway because their streams are successful and they enjoy it. But then other players who maybe their stream hasn't taken off, maybe they don't really enjoy the streaming part of it. They're not kind of forced into that. They can focus on what they enjoy out of Magic. All right, here's here's the last question I have. If you want to make the big bucks at Magic tournaments, what should you do? A, grind a lot, get better at the game. B, become an entertaining Twitch streamer. Oh boy. <laughs> is it clearly A? If the answer is clearly not A, then this is not, you know, this is not exactly the pinnacle of performance, right? This is more of a marketing thing, right? Uh, so that was the complaint of our previous setup where the best way was to go play Hearthstone, become a big name and get invited back to like a magic <laughs> tournament, right? So what about now? Now is it legitimate to become you know, a, a pro player grinding through events. This new uh, system is weighted more towards performance and events. There still are discretionary invites, so there still is the pathway of becoming a successful streamer, but even then, you're going to have to spike an event. Like, if you're a successful streamer, you're going to get put into, uh, like, a Mythic Invitational, and then if you go to Mythic Invitational, and you crush the Mythic Invitational and earn enough points to make it into the Rivals League or whatever, uh, then maybe you deserve to be there, because it is, you, you performed well, even though you got, like, you know, an invite to get to that tournament, you still had to perform well in the tournament. So, I think it's very much more performance-based, except for there's four discretionary invites to the Rivals League. And those, we have no idea what those uh, are for. And being in the Rivals League is very valuable. Like, getting invited to that, you're a step away from being in the MPL. But you still would have to go to the Rivals League and be at the top of the Rivals League to be able to get up there. 
I'm trying to see the prize breakdown. So what? Mythic Invitationals have seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars in prize purse each, and then and I think the paper ones are two fifty, but there's nine of them, and there's three Mythic Invitationals, so it kinda. But then pro tours the are a field of like. 500 people invitational is a field of like 16 right i believe i believe that one of the parts of this announcement i don't know if i can find it right this second is that uh the pro tours are going to be much smaller with the three regional pro tours or players tours instead of uh the big worldwide pro tours so i believe that the fields are going to be smaller than we have been used to with pro tours wait does regional mean you're region locked like if you're a japanese player could you travel to a north american uh, player event and then play in it, or does it just mean that there's three in every geographical region? Yes, I, think... I believe you can travel, but you're yeah, limited okay. to one, one basically. So, like, I think if you do well in an American one, you would still go to the regionals in Japan, right? Uh, I believe you could if you wanted to, right? So you can kind of choose which region you go to for, like, and... if you do well in an event, like you spike an event, you'll then be able to choose. Which regional one you can play in? I I believe once you're qualified, you could go to a different one, but you can only play in one. Uh, right. Like you can't play in multiple regions for the same whatever weekend or whatever when they're having the events. Right. But I could be maybe I'm maybe I'm mistaken on that. So don't don't take that. It's a really long document. It's confusing. <laughs> yeah. So it's a good thing I'm a filthy casual and none of this applies to me in any way whatsoever. <laughs> I'm expecting to see you in the MPL next year, Richard. Get on the get on the grind. <laughs> I, I, I'm okay. I'll pass. <laughs> it's okay. I, I, I won't subject you to a, a, a standard season of Jund. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any other any other thoughts on the OP slash esports announcement before we hit up our other topics? No, I mean, no. We'll see how it plays yeah. out. We'll see if we get a Tom Brady out of this. I this, think we do. We already have. He's called John Finkel, Kai Bude, right? Like we have these names, but I don't know. Like the marketing isn't around them, right? But they they are kind of our legendary raid bosses, right? Like. So we'll see how the the story builds around them as the MPL matures. Yeah. Also, uh, Hall of Fame is continuing. It has been confirmed. So that's something that was also not known, but what was happening with the Hall of Fame. But that will continue. And then, uh, yeah, I guess I would just say, overall, I think it's a good announcement. And there's still details around the edges to be worked out. But I feel like this is a big step forward in the... you know, shout out to Wizards for listening to feedback and actually communicating really well about this. So many of our issues over the past however long have been just like faulty communication or lack of communication. And they really nailed it with being super responsive around this announcement uh, to questions and feedback. So uh, good on Wizards for that. All right. So we have a couple other topics before we get to fish mail. Uh, did you see the new magic clothes? This this just came out this morning. Richard, what what are they making now <laughs> for magic clothing? Okay, uh Wild Bangarang has officially licensed let me let me get the name. Let me get the name. Hold on. What are these officially called? Hold on, I'm clicking. I can't click. Oh no. Okay, they okay, I'm just gonna call them yoga pants. <laughs> There's officially magic yoga pants license. So you can get Jace, you can get Liliana, you can get Nissa. They have They have a joy address too. Yeah, they have dresses, they have skirts, 
And if you notice, it's all female apparel that I'm listing off. Uh, so yeah, it's like this brand that sells, quote unquote, geek and gamer apparel. And they sell like Harry Potter, Star Trek, Warhammer, Hasbro, My Little Pony. <laughs> so they, they've cut a deal with Magic and they're selling Magic tights, TLDR, <laughs> females only. Well, I mean, there is that Jace cloak, you know, that, that they've got. That could, that's that, probably that, that, unisex. I, I, you know, I, like, I, I could see me wearing that, though. It like, depends I, on size. <laughs> I mean, guys can wear tights. Yeah. Like, is it the right size, right? That's the that's the question. Yeah. I don't see sizes listed. There's, like, they, pictures. They, don't, they yeah. don't actually go on sale until this Friday, so there'll probably be more information once you can actually buy them. But uh, do you think, like, I mean... Uh, this isn't really my style of thing. Uh, I don't think I would wear them, even if they uh, had men's sizes. Uh, but I don't know. Like, I guess if this is a thing that people like, go for it. <laughs> like, it doesn't bother me in any way, yeah. even I mean, though it's is, not for me. So this is weird, but if you think about it, I understand how this comes about, right? This is weird in the sense that... The magic community, there's not as many female players as males, right? So if you were going to make something, why would you not make the thing that's most abundant, right? But the thing is, Wizards probably doesn't control this at all, right? What's happening is this company who makes apparel probably contacted Wizards and said, hey, we want to license your IP to do this. And Wizards was like, yeah, sure. And then now you have this, right? Uh, so I think it's cool. I think it's cool as part of the... Uh, Wizards branding to get outside the game. Like some of these things are passable to the non-nerd. Like they have like a planeswalker symbol tights. Like you could conceivably wear this in public and not be like ridiculed as like a weeb or something, right? Like <laughs> you know, like you know, wearing the Liliana one might be a little weird, right? If you just saunter down to Starbucks wearing the Liliana outfit, but some of these dresses they look like normal clothes. The planeswalker symbol is actually pretty nice. So I think it's fine. I'm surprised though they didn't make any uh, like less flashy clothes. I guess like I, I don't know, like a shirt, headbands, hoodies, Head stuff band. like that. Hold on, head. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't is know. Is that man. less flashy? <laughs> like some of this is pretty out there, right? Like some of this is like, yeah, you, you're gonna wear it at like a magic gathering. Magic the Gathering, haha. <laughs> like a <laughs> gathering of magic players or something, right? As opposed to, I'm going to go to the gym in these clothes. Maybe you could go to the gym in these clothes. That's not... Hmm. I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I actually like this stuff. I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> but I also am into all the things that are kind of flashy. So, like, that. Like I think this stuff's... I mean, I don't know if I could own... I, I would wear anything out of the Jace thing just because... I don't know if I could pull any of this off, <laughs> but I could say that I think I think it's pretty cool. I mean, it, it makes it so that maybe there's even more officially licensed magic stuff moving forward. Uh, I, I I like that there's casual wear. Um, I, I would call this casual wear, but it also uh, kind of goes with people that cosplay. Uh, so you don't have to, like, example, design... Uh, the pants or something, and you can just buy like the Jace Bellerin pants and or or tights, and then and then the rest of it you can just kind of design yourself. So I'm actually like really curious what cosplayers think about this. Like, do you think if you're a cosplayer, do you view this as cheating? Are you like, are you like, well, I don't, I yeah, I don't made know. my Liliana dress, and like, you just probably. bought yours. 
there's probably like the elitists right they're like oh my god you bought this off the shelf right and then there's the casual person like i'm trying to go to magic fest vegas or something and i want you know to dress as my favorite character this is the perfectly reasonable thing to do or like halloween or something like that right yeah. like you have a daughter or something that wants to dress up as Liliana. Well, here you go. Right? I'm not going to spend 80 years crafting like the dress. Right? <laughs> like, so for, for those people, I think it's fine. right? But if you're like the hardcore cosplayer, then yeah, maybe you're like, I'll make my own Liliana outfit, which we've seen people do time and time again. Right. So I think it, it's a different segment. But there's also like, because I know that I've seen a lot of, what is it? Uh, like casual X character uh, cosplay. Where it looks kind of just like meant to be like they, they designed some of it and then it's just like you go to a con or something. Let's say you're going to San Diego Comic Con or something like that. And you're like, well, I want to actually have a day where I'm not wearing like seven billion pounds of armor and all this other stuff. So I'm just going <laughs> to, you know what I mean? Like, And so it's like something that you could still rock, be in costume, uh, but also just chill. <laughs> Yeah. Because, I mean, I, I've seen it. Like, some people have to go around a con. Like, it's, like, eight hours, and they're in, like, very, like, big platform shoes and all this other stuff, and they have to make sure the armor pieces are still maintained. And, you know, for, for like, eight hours a day, that that's – it gets pretty tiring. It can be brutal. Um, But, like, obviously, it looks great, right? But – so then you want to have an easy day, a lazy day, and you could just wear, like, these and, and like, I don't know, some – like, maybe – if they, if like they like down the down the line, they have like a Jace shirt or something, or you could just wear those leggings and the Jace cloak and something simple underneath. I think it's pretty cool. Just give me a Garrick helmet. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> so okay, I what, mean, I have the axe piece, from the Comic Con set. Yeah. So. What piece of magic apparel would you like to see? I I personally want like more socks. I got the Nico Bola socks. I thought that was Wait, pretty sweet. They're Nico Bola socks. Yeah, yeah, it's the art of uh, God Pharaoh. I have the Nico Bola socks, and I have that exact same art as a as a, a fleece or a throw or whatever you want to call it, the blanket. And uh, <laughs> I, I don't know, I I love that, and I love pins. I mean, shirts. I guess I've gone I've gone so long without magic shirts <laughs> that at this point I'm like, oh right, they do make magic shirts now. Because for a while, all all it was was just like one or two magic shirt designs. Well, once they step that up and, and like they like increase more magic merch, I probably would look to add more magic like shirts. I mean, I have a Demir hoodie. I think for me, it's more, more the subtle magic clothing. I like the nope shirt, uh, in the grow. Like those shirts were really sweet. They were still magic y, but they weren't quite as, I don't know, flashy or over the top as the stuff we were talking about today. So I think, uh, m- more that style would be stuff that I would actually consider wearing. And I feel like they're already heading in that direction, but more, Ooh. more along those lines. Button ups. I want yeah. a magic button up. Like, I'd like, like something- to see polos, button ups. Yeah. Cufflinks. Ties, even though I'm like, I can picture like how awesome they are, but I'm like, what would I wear this, right? But like, a, a tie where it's very wear? subtle, right? Like, you know, instead of a checkered pattern, you have like the planeswalker, say yeah. like shiny black and matte black or something, to or fairy like, heads. Little, no, not to fairy heads. <laughs> well, clearly you just aren't thinking that in like, like, a, the like a mountain or a swamp. Uh, oh, cufflink. come on, to Super fairy subtle. heads is way better than that. <laughs> I, 
I like that. I think ties would wait, be wait, cool wait. You like subtle. what, Seth? To fairy heads? No, or, or? not not to fairy heads. No. Okay, fine. You I mean, I hope they make them just for true you, fashion. Grim, yet. <laughs> <laughs> to fairy heads is the future. How how about you get like a walking stick and it's like to fairies. Why would I want a walking stick? <laughs> like with Teferi heads on it. <laughs> no, oh, like a his button? staff. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I, I think like a button up with like Teferi heads, Jace heads. I think like it It could be pretty cool. I don't know. It's not that flashy. Like it's small little Teferi prints I, or Jace prints, J- like Chandra prints. I would totally think that's awesome. I think or on Planeswalker ties. heads is uh, that that's kind of the definition of flashy for me. Okay, wait, <laughs> real not. question here. You know those anime cars where yeah, like yeah, screen printed those. like the entire like, the entire car or whatever? Mm-hmm. Would you buy one if there was like a Teferi? I mean like <laughs> would you drive around town with like basically a Teferi head <laughs> like around your car? Is it like my main car? Like that's the only yes. car I own? Yes. I mean, I wouldn't even. I love anime, and I wouldn't even do that. Aww. And I thought, okay, hold on. We, we found the line. We found I, the I line. Would, for I Krim. would do it if I had, if it were like my second car, and it's like, you know what? It's the weekend. Where would you drive to? Like F and M and only. <laughs> dude, <laughs> no, dude. I would. Dr- I would go. Like I don't know. I don't really have a nightlife, but if I did, I would. I would pull up into the nightlife and, and just crush like, it immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would throw my key, you know, do the thing, throw the key, valet, park it somewhere nice. And then, <laughs> like, <laughs> well, on that note, speaking speaking of uh, showing up at magic events, we're all going to be showing up at a magic event in just in a couple Teferi days. In a car. Uh, no Teferi cars. Maybe we can get a Teferi plane. I, we'll have to talk to, uh, <laughs> to the airline about that. But uh, yes, we're all going to be at GP Vegas this weekend so we're gonna be there all weekend thursday friday saturday sunday uh hanging out meeting people playing commander games uh what else are we doing out there guys Oathbreaker, actually playing just a lot of magic i know i know we're gonna go to this magic event and we're gonna play a lot of magic it's 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 gonna be pretty yeah. wild though i I'm, I'm excited because i haven't actually I, I have recently convinced a few of my friends to build an Oathbreaker deck because, you know, together we built an Oathbreaker deck. And I'm going to tell you, it, it's actually pretty fun. I'm kind of, I, I, I kind of get it, right? Like, it, it, I get it. I get why it's fun. I don't know if it's a flash in the pan kind of thing, but it, it's sweet. Uh, but Let also. Me erase your thoughts of fun with my <laughs> Gideon Armageddon deck, but. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Well, see, I'm not Armageddoning people. I mean, my like my buddy has like Ashiok and Glimpse the Unthinkable, and I I lost to that pretty pretty handedly. Uh- <laughs> I, I have prepared. It's turn two Grand Abolisher, turn three Gideon Blackblade, turn four Armageddon. <laughs> wow. Brutal. I mean, I, I'm, I'm ready for this, but it, it's seriously, simple. so I'm getting all my decks ready. I haven't played Paper Magic in. Probably a year, right? Probably since the last Magic Fest, and I was like sorting all my cards. And weren't you at was like, the F and M that I played you at before? After that, maybe. But I haven't played Paper Magic in like months, at least six months. When was the last time I was at F and M? I'm not sure. Well, but I was I was like taking out my physical cards from the garage, and I was like putting them all together. I'm like, holy, there's a lot of money here. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why are all these cards so expensive? Because we play Commander on Magic Online, and 
you know, Rise of the Dark Realms there is like 10 cents in paper. It's 20 bucks. And I'm like, huh, can't afford that. Can't afford to fairies protection. I don't know what to do anymore. I have two of those. Um, but yeah. I found a Rise of the Dark Realms too, going through all my random cards. Like even like, I guess Stitcher Supplier is two bucks. I'm like, come on, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Really? It is expensive. So yeah, we're going to be out there. So if you're going to Vegas... Uh, come find us. We would love to meet you, uh, sign something for you if you're interested, play a game of Commander, whatever. So find us if you're in Vegas, and uh, we're going to be doing some sweet content while they're out there, too. We mentioned Oathbreaker. That's something we can't really do on Magic Online, so expect an Oathbreaker video in the future. We're also doing this really sweet crossover with the SCG versus guys uh, playing Commander, so expect that in the future. Uh, so even though we're going to be gone for a bit, and there might be a little bit of content missed, uh, like on the website or on the YouTube channel. Don't worry, we're going to be working on some really cool stuff that we just can't really do on Magic Online. So it should be super fun. Yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty excited for this. Like, I think you and I are in the same pod, right, or something like that. I so. think so in the crossover episode. Uh, yeah, and I'm hmm, so that'll be cool. I'm doing the Commander Party on Friday night. If you're uh, part of that, and then uh, apparently I'm doing the Modern Mayhem event on Sunday, which. I'm modern actually madness. like modern madness. Oh, modern madness. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for the plug, Mayhem. Yeah, check out modern mayhem over on the website. But yeah, uh, it should be interesting. I'm a little nervous about shuffling paper decks. Uh, you you saw me last year. The biggest takeaway from GP Vegas was, oh my god, Seth is bad at paper magic. Uh, oh my god, let's give Seth some black lotus and moxin and <laughs> let him shuffle it. Yeah, so oh, it'll oh. be slightly better this year because rather than black lotus and moxin, it's going to be modern decks. But still. Uh, I, I'm already a, a little bit dreading. Like, I'm excited for it, but oh man, I know Are something's going to go horribly wrong. Are you sitting at home shuffling right now? Not as much as I should. I shuffled like once or twice. I, I figured that was enough. I've, I've gotten you're, good you're at shuffling. You're going to be like, just shuffle your deck randomly while recording the podcast? <laughs> yes. See, that's how I've got... I, it's also become a problem, I think. I've just become comfortable when I'm shuffling stuff. So like, while I'm streaming, I'm always shuffling while I'm like doing anything i'm shuffling and just like i i've gotten good at i'm not like a master i'm not gonna do do any cool tricks like flip my deck in the air and then like you know catch it and then or anything like that but i i, I just do a lot of like bridge shuffling and and all of that i i i don't know i i feel the the thing i'm concerned about with paper magic i guess is not the shuffling part it's more so oh, unless it's edh decks i guess that I, you definitely know when you shuffle a hundred cards Oh, double-sleeved hundred-card decks. Yeah. <laughs> you definitely know when you're shuffling a hundred cards, but my thing is the missed triggers that are normally like announced to me, like on a big glowing animation. Like I'll probably miss all my S content triggers. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to like pretty much surveil? Ah, uh, I was already drew. Whoops. <laughs> all right, whatever. I wanted my fourteenth land anyways. So <laughs> good. <laughs> so. Yeah, what a what a are you looking forward to most? Before we move on to fish mail, what are you what are you most looking forward to during our time in Vegas? I told you, Gideon Friendship. Armageddon. Oh, oh, I thought you were joking. You, I didn't you think know I'm that joking. was joking. Okay, did. okay, hold on. So my my I have two Oathbreaker decks. Okay, one for fun, which is what I described to you, and one to actually make content with because I don't think people will be too happy if I just Armageddon. But I have a warning to you: I don't own any white magic cards. Except those from my legacy decks. 
<laughs> so, so what this means <laughs> is you might see a little cataclysm action. <laughs> you oh. might see some Thalia's. You basically Vince's deck. <laughs> oh, my I'm deck like, is so underpowered compared to your guys. I'm like my my white cards are so hateful. I ha- I had a balance ready to go before I I saw it was banned. You guys are lucky. Did you, I, wait, I did had you? a Zern or balance combo ready to go. <laughs> I so, didn't know this, but you needed your commander before you could cast the spell. That's why you need a three mana. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was just like, oh, thank goodness I chose three fairy. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So wait, let me get this right. You're playing Armageddon's with Gideon. Krim, you're playing uh, Teferi with Silence. Yep. And I'm playing Venser with Ephemerate, I think, to wait, blink my how, Panharmonicon how creatures. <laughs> That's just five. That that does. I don't know if this is going to be a fair fight. We'll have to see. Armageddon's Leap. four? Question mark. Question mark. <laughs> spell Pierce is one, and also I have every counter spell I can find. Oh boy! All right. Oh, how much is Vosage's expensive? I oh no! You're gonna I cheat, I can't dude. Afford Hold Vosage. on. Vosage only works on instants and sorceries. I just don't let your planeswalker resolve. Right? We just it's simple. We kill the Batman. <laughs> don't worry. I got mother runes. So oh. I spent I spent like thirty dollars or something on my deck, right? But I just happened to have hundreds of dollars of white staples. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty much how it went for me. Like I had all the like the the forces, all that other stuff, but I didn't have random things like I don't know, yeah, d- like what is it? Suddenly absent or something like that, or <laughs> unexpectedly absent, yeah, unexpectedly absent, and and I don't know, dawn charm. But hey, I'm forcible. <laughs> uh, all right. So we'll be at Vegas all weekend. If you're out there, look us up. Otherwise, oh. we'll have some sweet content coming out of GP Vegas for you in the next couple weeks. And uh, oh. yeah. Oh, go ahead, Grim. There, There is one thing. There is a panel. There's a bunch of panels on Friday. And I'm going to be there. I think, I think, and then Vince is going to be there too. Ooh. So we're doing a content creation panel. Uh, I think it's around like 3.30 or something like that too. So, but if you, if you're interested in any panels, uh, Pleasant Kenobi, uh, me and uh, like a few other big content creators like that, that are just going to be there. Uh, we're, we're, we're like, we're all just going to be talking about how to like do magic and, you know, stream and do all this stuff and, you know, take what is a hobby, I guess, and kind of turn it into something more serious. That sounds sweet. I might have to uh, check it out. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, no, Seth, I'm curious what you, you guys should. have to say. I think it would be entertaining. Well, it'll mostly just be me. Like, I'm uh, talking about how my beard is far superior than Vince's. <laughs> but so, then you can have a side-by-side with Vince there. Yeah. I mean, th- that's fine. And people will witness it. So I, I, I see no problem here. It's just more like, look, I'm going to feel bad when, when Vince walks away knowing that I just have a better beard. And, and like... Seth, you're you're close. You're almost as good as mine. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, I I think that's why they I wasn't invited to that panel. My my beard was just too glorious. They're like, eh, it's a little too much. People won't be able to focus on the content of the panel. They'll just be staring at the beard. So they had to settle for Vince and his safe beard that won't distract people. <laughs> All right, let's answer some fish mail before before we run out of time. All right, if you have questions, send them to at mtggoldfish with the hashtag mtgfishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. Uh, so first question, Desi Nohei. In the wake, uh, in the awake of destruction Hogak made to the modern format, do you think it is more oppressive than the previous broken mechanic that was Eldrazi Winter? No. So uh, what well, was the best modern deck of all time? You say it was Eldrazi? 
I still think Eldrazi was because that was it was so warping that everyone played Eldrazi, right? Like if you if you weren't playing Eldrazi, you were playing limited or another format. Like it was is that because like you just couldn't play anything but Eldrazi. Even I played Eldrazi. Like I, I was like, oh, it's fine. I'll try to play all these other decks. Nope, I just lost immediately. I, I I was like, I even tried to build Burn, and I was like, well, Burn is terrible. Burn gets locked up by Chalice on one, <laughs> and so I just I lost to Eldrazi so bad that eventually I just joined him. Hogak, you can kind of get around it by playing some other other decks that are just on the cusp of just like getting around it. Like you still play Phoenix, you can still play all these other things. Do I think Hogak needs to get banned? Yes, but I I I think that yeah, like. You could still play other decks, luckily. I'm going to say that it's... It, I think it does rank slightly behind Peak Eldrazi from Eldrazi Winner. But I think that Hogag probably is number two. I can't think of anything else. And I do think that... I think we forget well, Splinter how... Splinter Twin. I think we... No, Splinter Twin said that was a fair deck. Uh, <laughs> I think we forget how broken Colorless Eldrazi was. Like when we think, oh, Hogak, yeah, it gets a 8 8 on turn two. There were games where the Colorless Eldrazi deck would just be like Eldrazi Mimic, Eldrazi Mimic, uh, <laughs> Thought Not Seer, you on turn two, get in for eight. Like their starts were equally scary. Uh, and they had like Chalice of the Voids and they had Thought Not Seers and all these like interactive spells that the Hogak deck doesn't really get. So I think it ranks behind Colorless Eldrazi, but I think it might be the second most busted deck we've ever had in modern. I think I think Hogak is worse. <laughs> I, I, I remember playing Eldrazi Winter and I remember playing Jund and it felt like a match whereas this past weekend what? I was still <laughs> debating whether I should play the Grand Prix or not Vegas. Wait, wait, so wait, I wait, fired wait, wait, up wait, wait. some uh, post-pro tour uh, Hogak matches and boy oh boy I'm like this deck is so dumb even when I warp my entire main board I still can't beat this deck it's just there's nothing to do against Hogak but wait for the ban whereas I feel Eldrazi Winter like you could I don't know I felt like there was some progress being made when, wait, wait, when what? you played <laughs> like, other I, I, if you were playing Jun you were flinging like a bolt at them it's like very cool <laughs> check this out <laughs> well I you mean, just so they're not consistent, right? It's not always that they went nuts on you, right? And then, you know, even if they, like, turn to Thought Not Seer you, you could still kill the Thought Not Seer, right? Like, but Hogak was, like, eh. Uh, Hogak might be more consistent. It does seem like... It's, like, almost shocking when there's not a turn to Hogak when you play Like, Hogak, it. for me, is mull to Leyline or bust. Like, I mulled to, like, basically five on Jund, and if I haven't got Leyline yet, I'm probably dead. <laughs> right, yeah. like at four, even if I get a leyline, I won't be able to win. They'll just kill me with like normal random stuff. So you need to leyline them while having a legitimate hand. And if you don't, there's no way to win whatsoever. The new build is so much better than the original build at uh, redeploying Hogak. So if I really wanted to beat Hogak, I would play four leylines, four resting pieces, and four path to exiles. So you're saying Esper? <laughs> I'm saying Abzan, and I'm playing you don't need the green. What does the green do for you? Now you add blue. <laughs> the green makes me feel like a Timmy, okay? <laughs> but I, it's just, I don't know. I just I, I just do not want to play against... Like, this is the first time in Modern where I'm like, I don't want to spend any more energy trying to tune to beat this deck because it's just not happening. Whereas always I would play Jund into my terrible like 40-60 matchups and be fine. Now I'm like, Hogak is too much. 
Well, the good news is uh, BNR a week from today, so one more week of Hogag summer, and then I think what if it doesn't get gonna, banned? Oh man! <laughs> everybody, I, I everybody of, just goes into this assuming I hope it gets it does, j- doesn't just to hear the reaction on Twitter. Oh, that would be one of the the best MTG Twitter days. Just the reactions <laughs> of everyone if it, there was a no ban announcement. Oh man! I mean, okay, I'm sure you, it's happening, but. What if they unban Splinter Twin and Stoneforge? But didn't ban Hogak? What? Yeah. What's Splinter Twin going to so, do So you would Hogak? still have Hogak domination uh, down for, Hogak, obviously. for more, but you would get, you know, you would get the unbanning of these other heroes. <laughs> I mean, I think if you're going to let Hogak stay, you might as well be unbanning, like, Skullclamp. Like, go all the way. Like, give us Hypergenesis and Skullclamp and the real busted stuff, and Hogak's still going to beat him. I think Twin would... would, would beat Hogak. It would... No? How, I don't know. It still feels a little bit You just bit need slower. four Vapor Snags, four Snapcasters to, like, bounce that Hogak twice, and then you Splinter Twin them. Right? Like, how, like, you know, like, a bouncing a Hogak is a big deal, right? You know what would be sweet? Etherize. Etherize uh-huh. would probably be really good against Hogak. <laughs> it, like, send me in you, Spirit Guides to get you, it down you, fast you enough. You get an omniscience and... down, okay? And then when they attack you, you Etherize. <laughs> Uh, you guys don't believe you don't believe in the power of vapor snag (laughs) they would also lose one so you're also aggressive (laughs) yes it's gonna really matter when you (laughs) kill them with infinite creatures (laughs) unbanned splinter twin it'll solve everything uh next question Cameron J. Thacker. How do you feel about color hosers and protection in standard next year? I've had some serious non-games for games two and three due to limited interaction. Should I just be avoiding two color decks this year? What do I do with all this salt? So we talked earlier in the standard season about color hosers. What are your guys' takes? Because I remember you guys like them. Are, are we still on yeah. the same, same boat? Still love them. Still love them. I mean, sometimes I get fried and I'm just like, ah, oh, resolves. <laughs> but but like outside of that i i think it's sweet fry has been solid um the one of the like i think the most inco- like important like color hoses right now is noxious grasp i think that card is super solid it's so good and uh like i mean i would even just main deck one of uh, like a noxious grasp right now and, and like, even ether gust has his applications it it gives like decks like mono blue a chance of actually dealing with a, a shifting ceratops like you can, you're not countering it. You get to put it on top of their deck, along with Chandra, which is just sometimes big enough of a tempo play. Yeah, I I still like them as well. I actually think they're in a a pretty decent spot as far as uh, color hosers. Where yeah, there are times like if you play mono blue, you're probably gonna get wrecked by a Ceratops or whatever. Like there are matchups where that happens, but I think in general, most of them seem to be costed pretty fairly, and I think in a a good place to provide answers to. Uh, some threats that really need answering, like Fry is probably the biggest example of that, but having such a good, clean answer to cards that Crim likes to play is, is really <laughs> beneficial for Standard. All right. Uh, only way, when is the best time to buy Commander 2019 sealed product? Ooh. Uh, sealed product-wise, that's a, that's a little bit trickier. Uh, I assume that it probably isn't going to matter too much. I guess there's a chance that maybe the decks are like overprinted or not popular and then uh, vendors decrease their prices. But in general, with the, the Walmart type products where you can get them at big box stores, usually they go for 
around MSRP. Uh, sometimes if you have a good LGS or whatever, a little bit under MSRP, but I don't think there's, if you're buying sealed, I don't think there's any real value in like waiting because there's a reasonable chance that the price is just going to be the price all the way through. All right, last question. Indifferent 9109, would Hogak be a better card if he was a 1-1 with the additional text, Hogak gets plus one plus one counter for each creature card used to pay for its mana cost? Could still be a free 8-8 late game and much more flavorful. How would you fix him? What is Hogak's real cost? Eight? Seven. seven. It's seven. Seven. So at maximum, he would become an 8-8 if you used all creatures to do this. Fixing Hogak is interesting. I think step one, taking away Trample, and I think it would probably still be too good, but it would feel a lot more fair. The Trample and not I being able to jump block... taking away Trample would kill Hogak. You think it would kill it? Oh, yeah. Hmm. You, like, season Pyromancer, Lingering Souls, you got four turns of chump blocks. <laughs> right? <laughs> and he's legendary, so, like, you can't even stack Hogaks like you could Gurmag Angler or something to get through the chumps. I think also being mono green instead of uh, black green hybrid would go a long way. It, it seems like it'd be a lot harder to have the crazy starts if you had to have two green creatures. It's stitcher suppliers and so forth. It makes it blood gas, uh, grave crawlers. It makes yeah. it so easy to power out Hogak. I think if you had to have two green creatures, or maybe you go up one, maybe you'd, maybe you need three for the convoke part instead of two. But I think if you cost it more in that range, it would be. A, a lot harder to build around. Yeah, I think if you put four, <laughs> four, like four colored mana in him, you kill Hogak right there. Three, I don't know, maybe still too good, but just increasing his cost more, uh, I think would do it. Because right now it's just too easy to get a turn two Hogak. If it was a turn three Hogak, it'd be a different story. Plus the <laughs> recast would be more expensive. So what... What dredge number would you put on it? Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't think the dredge is the limiting factor. <laughs> or not not dredge, rather, delve, I mean. That's what I mean. I don't think it's the limiting factor. I think okay. you can, so you you can think dredge it's... a lot into your graveyard. So the convoke, like up the I think it's the convoke. You need. Okay. Like if you're forced to have three or four creatures on the battlefield, uh, it gives you more interaction, right? Because I can kill them. Because uh, now there's no point in killing them, right? Because they come back for free and it doesn't really do anything. But if, there's, if you need three or four... Like, kill, killing that Gravecrawler or something might actually be worth it right for that turn of not Hogak. What if we gave him Flying instead of Trample? <laughs> <laughs> that seems roughly as bad. No, but you could block with, like, Wall of Omens and stuff. <laughs> Wall of Omens doesn't fly, though, but I know, you, I know what you're saying. Oh, it doesn't? No, Wall of Omens has, uh -oh. has ground bound. <laughs> but, yeah... I think it would still be pretty scary. Although it would be kind of funny after the whole like green black Sarah Angel discussion from a few sets ago, if Hogak was the green black flyer that they were talking about. Well, what if you gave him infect? It took away all Perfect. evasion. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you gave him double strike and flash also. Yeah. <laughs> what, if, what if we give him hexproof? <laughs> We're heading, we're heading the wrong direction, I think. <laughs> you you wait. We're, we're going to get... Power creep was a thing, remember? So Tarmogoyf used to be the biggest thing, right? And then um, we got, like, Tassigers and Gurmag Anglers. Now we're up to Hogax. <laughs> like, I can't what's next? wait like, for when we look Everful, back at Hogak and laugh. <laughs> I remember when an 8-8 Trample was, like, good? <laughs> <laughs> As soon as you cast it, you win the game. <laughs> and it's like you get an emblem that says you win the game. <laughs> you can't even interact with it in any way. 
it'll happen. The 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 necropolis itself will be a card, and it'll be like so good. <laughs> All right, that's all the questions uh, that we have time for this week. Thank you to everyone who sent them in. If you have questions, send them to at mtggoldfish with the hashtag mtgfishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that that brings us to the end of episode 238 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Grip, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to Flipside Gaming for supporting the show. Check them out on their site. They're super sweet. Richard King Ferguson plays mats. 10% off with the gold goldfish. So, thank you to them. And uh, next week, we'll be coming... Uh, to you from Las Vegas. We'll be recording why we're out there before we all go home. So we'll see you then with all of our Vegas experiences and whatever else happens in the world of magic. So until then, this is the crew signing out. <laughs> <laughs>